It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Muscle aches, rashes. To find an answer. Hair loss. I'm so tired. You need to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having three number one albums? One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks in the Ad Council. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and... Um, let you know that you can follow me on twitter.com slash joy keys. You can become a fan on Facebook. Just look me up Saturday mornings with joy keys. Also, you can check me out on Instagram. I have lots of great, cool pictures. Um, you guys know I give away stuff. So if you tag me in a picture, I uh, might give you a book, a CD, um, music, uh, all different types of things, downloads from iTunes. Um, so check me out there. I just got off the phone with um, the CEO of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. You want to check that earlier episode out. And also a representative, uh, Amy McVeigh from Philadelphia Corporation from Aging, for Aging. Um, we were talking about Alzheimer's because this month is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. So I encourage you to check that out. Don't wait too long. One of the things we discussed was people waiting um, too long before they got checked out um, or getting a family member checked out. Um, and that was one of the, the problems, and then the disease has progressed, and there's not as much you can do. Um, that is similar with any other disease, heart disease and lupus and multiple sclerosis, all these, anything, waiting too long is always the worst thing um, that one can do. So I encourage you guys. One of the things the, the doctor, um, not doctor, I'm sorry, the CEO mentioned was not only getting a physical, but getting a memory exam. I've never had a memory exam. I mean, I didn't even know, like, I could go and ask my doctor to do that for me because, I mean, I didn't think I had, you know, Alzheimer's, but he was just saying do it anyway. Do it as a preventative measure. measure. So I encourage you guys to do that. Well, right now I'm going to be talking with an expert, uh, not in Alzheimer's, but in relationships. Um, his name is Dr. Shane Perot, and he's written a new book called The Black Man, You All. And uh, it's to help the single woman try to choose Mr. Right. And I believe this is him on the line right now. Good morning. Yes, this is me. How are you doing, Joy? <laughs> How are you? Good. It is good to be on your show again. Yes, just for the audience's sake, um, he has been on the show, Dr. Pro has been on the show, like years when I first started the show, several times we're talking about relationships and all types of things uh, in the past. Um, but uh, now he's back. 
and he has this great book that is just rich in resources and also based in theory, which is one of the things I thought I really appreciated you mentioning because a lot of people, you know, superstars write books. Um, you know, Steve Harvey wrote a book. All people write these books and everything. But yours is actually based in tried, true principles that have been tested over and over and over again um, across the country, across the globe, you know, wherever, um, that have shown what works and what doesn't work. So that is something I really appreciate um, about your book. And also let people know that you already have a marriage counseling business going on that helps individuals uh, on an ongoing basis. It's not like your first uh, trip at the rodeo. <laughs> no, it is not, Joy. I see 15 to 25 couples a week, and I have since 2003. And this book, as you said, it really is one that wrote itself. A lot of couples that came in to see me, and I would look and say, wow, how did the two people on my couch get together in some cases? <laughs> and you know, as I listened to their stories and I heard them, and a lot of, and most couples that come to me are just hardworking, good, fun-loving, salt-of-the-earth people, and they do just fine. And some people came in and it was like, wow, you know, have they made a different choice? I wonder what their lives will be like. And so mm-hmm. this book is the story of those couples, the story of those women that were in relationships, the story of women that came to see me individually. And as you also mentioned, I am a psychologist. I went to grad school at Ohio State University. So it has that research quality. I think of Steve Harvey and Hill Harper as having started the conversation, and this kind of continues it and answers some of the questions. One of the things that caught my eye initially uh, just in the beginning, because we'll start at the beginning of a person. I think you as a psychologist, you want to know what's going on that makes this person do these things. Freudian principle, repetitive compulsion. Now, I never named it that, but I used to talk to my girlfriends and people, men, whatever, about patterns that you have and that you will continue to have until you recognize them and make a difference. Now, in your book, you talk about this idea of repetitive compulsion. Could you elaborate on that? Well, Freud, uh, as you said, coined the term, and it really was kind of us as people emotionally revisiting the scene of the crime. You know, we have this event that happened generally to us as a youth with a parent, most likely the opposite sex parent, and we get our sense of how male-female relationships will go. And if we have an absentee parent, boy, I sure uh, I sure wish that could be different. So we unconsciously mm-hmm. date people that recreate that dynamic. And people say, well, you saying we want that? No. The challenge is it's familiar. So where most people will be like, oh, I haven't seen you in four weeks. I'm always the one initiating it. Maybe I should find someone else emotionally familiar. So it's comfortable in an unconscious way. And we develop almost like a radar to find those particular types of individuals. And I've had a lot of clients that come in and have suffered with that, and I talk about that in the book at great length. It is needed. It is so needed because I talk to people and I'm saying, if this is not working for you, then why do you keep doing it? You know, like I had a young lady, she's um, she's younger than me, she's 30, I think she is, and, um, you know, she was talking about this is her type. And I said, well, what, what do you mean this is your type? And I said, well, what about so-and-so? Oh, no, he's too pretty. 
What? He's too. Okay. Your type is not working for you. You are not happy. You're not getting what you want. But you keep going for your type. So, like, why would people do that? I mean, why would they put themselves through such angst? Is there some answer? I mean, other than it's familiar, is that that is that really that simple? You're asking, and and I heard Jerry when I first got into the business of psychology, I was like you, asking these same questions. And I realized there's two types of insights. So they may talk to you, and they may tell you why they should do things differently, but they don't act on it. And I call that kind of what we call superficial insight because emotionally there are blinders there that stop them from acting on it. It's like emotionally, Mm. wow. What I know, it feels comfortable. It's wrong intellectually, but emotionally mm-hmm. it doesn't feel wrong enough that I want to do something about it or that I'm not paralyzed to do something about it. You know, mm. when you make decisions on how life is going to go and we're a 13, 14, or 12-year-old little girl, it doesn't change. You know, we really, wow. we come to the conclusion that, wow, I don't need a man, so him not being around isn't that big a thing. I've never been taught I could really trust men. But, okay, this is the way things go. I, I, I'm i independent. I have to take care of myself and a man in that way. So it's kind of a, a defensive mechanism from the standpoint of, wow, I'm not vulnerable to him in that way. And so when mm-hmm. you ask people to change and then they're in new relationships and it feels uncomfortable, eh, I'm out of here. And so I started to see these patterns with a lot of my clients, and I said, wow, this happens to us a lot because we have been taught, uh, in a lot of cases, not to depend on a man. And that's what happens when you don't. Well, now, I want to talk this one quick issue, and I'm only going to spend a minute on it. Marriage is not for black people. Why are you Why are you trying to get people together? And <laughs> you know it's not going to work. I mean, that's like for white people. Is that a conversation that you hear? I hear that all too often. And, you know, we have to really look at our history and our culture. Slavery is the interruption of our history and our culture. It isn't our culture. It's a data point. You know, it's we've been here hundreds of thousands of years in highly advanced civilizations doing amazing things like building the pyramids and cataract surgery, and family systems and marriage were, was a big part of those communities. So this is just the interruption of it. it. This period won't last long, but it is every bit a part of our culture. I don't have couples come in to my practice and not make it for lack of effort. You know, there are a lot of, of black couples that come to see me for many visits, and they are fighting with everything for their family. You don't see them on the news, but they're very newsworthy. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the fallacies is that um, the, when you read books as a young girl, I'm not seeing a lot of black couples, you know. I'm not seeing the intact family. Uh, now there are more. There are a lot more books that you can give young young girls um, that kind of show, you know, intact families, uh, African-American intact families, you know, with the mother, father, the picket fence, whatever you want to say, um, a brownstone in Brooklyn. Um, but in the past, there just weren't. And um, as you said, this issue of growing up maybe without a father, so we have a lot of single parent um, can cause an issue uh, in the choices that uh, young women make, or women in general, young or old, whatever. Now, let me start let off. Let me with, follow up on that just briefly for a ahead. second. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the media images of blacks. I mean, yeah, we have the ones that white media have created, but until very recently, 
a lot of our media images of who to choose were created by 19-year-old rappers. And so those <laughs> certainly weren't people that could be lifelong companions. Wow, she's got this shortest skirt or, wow, look at his car and look at this and look at that, rather than who is that as a person underneath that. And I think that has a bit to do with it. A lot of the decision-making of what is a good man has been interrupted, and we've really done ourselves a disservice, although I see that changing. Well, one of the things that we can change as an individual, as a, as a, as a woman, because your book is focused on women, but I think it's also useful for men, but we're dealing with women today, this chapter about addition by subtraction, that I think to me was a really core aspect of the book, dealing with me first as a woman, what can I do, what is in my control, what is in my power, can you talk to some of the steps in there? Because you say addition by subtraction. That sounds confusing. Can you explain that to the audience? Yeah, I think sometimes when we think about being all we could be, we think about achieving things and getting more. You know, if I get this car, if I get this house, if I get whatever, I'll be more successful and I'll love me more. Eh, they're nice. And if you love you, they'll definitely help you <laughs> enjoy you more. But right. in terms of adding self-esteem, it's losing the layers of negative baggage. It's changing our self-talk. It's losing all the things that society and maybe your life experiences have taught you. If you think about a baby, a baby comes into the world with a pretty blank script. I've never met a baby that didn't naturally smile and love themselves. They may be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They need their diapers changed. But that's the way we come into the world. All of the baggage that we get, is programming. So if we lose that programming, we add to our self-esteem because we don't play that self-defeating negative tape anymore. And a big part of this book isn't about choosing Mr. Right. It's about being or becoming Miss Right. Yes, because yes, exactly. two holes make a hole, not two halves. And if you go into it, as one person, a client of mine once said to me, you know, I realize that you date according to your self-esteem. So if we subtract out that negative aspect of it, you don't have to go to the Himalayas and sit under a mountain and try and meditate Mm -hmm. and find this mysterious thing called self-love. You just really have to erase all the and work through all the negativity that interferes with your natural state, which is uh, self-love. One of the things you talk about in there is uh, don't give, stop giving out discounts. Talk to the audience a little bit about the no, no more discounts. You know, I, I think of it, I, w- I went to Vegas once, and I'm not a big gambler, but, you know, I was just watching the people, and this guy came to sit at the table, and it was a $100 table, and he had $50, and he had known this particular blackjack dealer. I said, well, can I play him? No. Can I play him? No, it's $100. You have 50 He said, well, you, you know, you made so much money, and I've tipped you, and the dealer said, yes, you have. He comped him out of dinner, comped him out drinks for the night, but did not compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when we compromise, we say, well, you know, you're not what I want, but I could fix you up. And don't get me wrong, you need to work with people, especially if you believe they have a plan that you can sink your teeth into. But why date someone that in the end you don't think you can be happy with and lives up to your standards? Take the approach of the Vegas dealer and say, you know what, you're just not going nah. to play here right now. Because once you're married to that person, people think, well, 
I get married, I live happily ever after. Eh, not so much. Partner, you've made a good choice. You've got a much better chance. But you're married to them. The fact that you've made a discount and you've given this great value and you've gotten somebody who doesn't deserve it, it doesn't change your day-to-day life and what you have to do to make your marriage work. You have a person that you may not be able to win with. So why not just hold out for somebody that you can? And I know black women, and it's a real thing about the statistics and the ratio and the challenges of finding a good brother. And I, I definitely know that to be real. It doesn't change the fact that if married to this person every day, you got to deal with that. I had a woman that came in that was an attorney, and I walked out to my office, and I remember she had set the appointment, and the guy she was dating and talking about marrying looked like Tupac. I mean, literally. He had, uh-huh. white and he had all these tasks. And I'm thinking, okay, what's wrong? You know, I gave him their paperwork, and I scratched my head and come to find out he had a lot of other challenges, not that him looking like Tupac was necessarily a challenge, but that's where his mind was at. And like, well, yeah, I get you're, you're, you're 36 and you want to get married, but you're going to have to deal with being married to this man every day. For the rest so, of your life. That's what you're hoping. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to be happy just because you're married. And I've seen people on the other side of those type of marriages, and now the pressure they put on themselves to get in is the same pressure they put on themselves to get out. I'm not happy I'm leaving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about this theory because there's another theory because this about you were saying, well, don't don't settle, but then there are people you can work with, and then there's the wife beater with the suit, or there's the opposite version. The woman has the you know mini skirt, and the guy has the suit. The transactional theory that you bring in: I'm okay, you're okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, I'm not okay, you're okay. Can you talk to the audience about this? Well, yeah, I get. <laughs> This is real famous psychology from back in the 70s. And the basic theory is there are different ways to be in a relationship. The healthiest way to be in a relationship is I'm okay, you're okay. The other ways are unhealthy, and they are I'm okay, you're not okay, I'm not okay, you're okay, and I'm not okay, you're not okay. But what I find is when writing this book is that I was seeing even a fifth pattern, which is, Yeah, a lot of black women were saying, I'm okay, you're not okay, but I can fix you. And Mm -hmm. you could help somebody that has a good plan, execute it, but you can't give somebody a plan and expect them to execute it and think you're going to fix them and it's not going to deal with them feeling very emasculated, resentful, or entitled. And they may not want to fix themselves. So how do you discriminate between the one that somebody you should work with and the one that somebody is just, this just isn't going to happen. And I've seen women with well, well intentioned, uh, extremely kind and extremely smart run into these type of men and not be able to distinguish which one is worth working with and which one isn't. You know, but you make it difficult because in your book, then you, now I'm going to go to, the good guy may not always be the good guy, and the bad guy may not always be the bad guy. So then you kind of confuse it there, but you do explain it. You do go in detail. So <laughs> briefly, can you just kind of talk about that? Because I was like, wait a second, the bad guy is not the bad guy? What are you talking about, the bad guy okay. not the bad guy? Isn't the bad guy always the bad guy? 
You've read this very carefully, Joy, and I really appreciate that about me and why I wanted to announce my book on your show, actually, because I I think it does sound confusing. What I talk about in this chapter is how do you decide which guy is for me? And sometimes think, well, i got to choose between nice and having a good time. I don't know that you necessarily do. Uh, Some nice guys aren't really that nice. If you get someone who's tone deaf and uncoachable and you say, well, you know, maybe you should try some of these Robert Graham shirts. Uh, They look nice and ah, that's too much. I don't want to pay. I'm not open to any of your suggestions. And they're kind of tone deaf. And you say, well, try Toastmasters. You know, you don't speak and project yourself very well. Well, why would I do (laughs) Toastmasters? You don't have someone that's coachable. But there are some men where you say, hey, maybe they're a little bit of what we call Urkelish or Steve Urkelish, but they're very coachable and they're very open. He's a nice guy that might be workable. Someone that's tone deaf and isn't going to get your emotional needs, no, they're not. Just like all mm-hmm. bad boys aren't necessarily bad choices. Some appear to be alpha males, but they're really predators. Eh, not a good choice. Some are men who, as I said, there are two types of men, those who are going places and those who have arrived. These are a lot of men that I, I see a lot of women are very attracted to, and I think they're great choices, but you have to decide and listen to where he has placed you. If it's been three years, you've never met his parents, you never met his close friends, chances are he's made up his mind. Because these types of men are very decisive, and they don't change their mind. They're very intuitive people. If they've decided you're not the one, you're just not the one, cut, cut, you know, cut your losses. Yeah, but, but Dr. Perot, we've been together for so long. He takes care of me. He's, he's good to my children. Um, we go out. We go on vacations together and everything. But he just won't get married. And that's fine. If, you, if, you, if that works for you. I mean, if marriage is your primary goal, you shouldn't have to talk someone into it. But you know what? If he sees this house we're going to buy, then definitely, you know, and he sees how comfortable we'll be, then it'll work, right? I wish it worked that way. I mean, and I've talked to these men. I've interviewed <laughs> one of the men. No, I, I've talked to these men. I've been interviewed one in my book. And uh very close personal friend that's extremely successful with women. And he says, you know, women tell me how to treat them. Once I decide where a woman is, she's not changing. So I'm saying it mm-hmm. may be the case that he changes, but why risk the next 20 years? Now, if you're happy with him taking care of you, if you're happy with him spending time with your kids, great. Chances are you're not changing his mind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you bring up in the book that women respect these guys if they tell them, if that particular person says, you know what, I'm not getting married, I like seeing multiple women, are you okay with that? And the woman says, you know what, I know where I am. Whereas these nice guys that suck you in, that court you, that wine and dine you, that introduce you to their friends, you may even go to their mom's house or dad's house or whatever, and, you know, you go to the cookouts and you're thinking, I'm in like Flynn. And then they drop you like a hot potato. Yeah, and and it, it's really kind of what I do in this chapter, and I think it's going to be a struggle for us to really put it out here in this interview, and that's one of the things that, ladies, you're going to have to trust me on and get the book from Amazon 
But yes, it's like you have to I get really the book. I'm giving of... away some copies of the book. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. I, but it's really kind of studying and, and getting a sense of where you're at. And can you deal with where you're at? And can you deal with, hey, I have a lot of women that come in and they say, uh, yeah, I, I could deal with him seeing other women. I love the fact that he's honest. If that's the case, know that you're not changing that aspect about him. It's not going to mm-hmm. change should you even marry him. And I've had women that right. actually married this type of a man, and they're like, no, that was our agreement. You want to change the terms of it. And that's not what I agreed on when we talked about getting married. So mm. it's not going to happen. Exactly, exactly. Now, one of the great things I'm glad you brought up are because we have a lot of single women with children. And I think it's very needed. And one of the things I appreciate, because I myself, I was, I am, I guess my daughter's grown now, but um, step-parenting, blended families, and that there will be conflict, and that's okay. And so I appreciate at the end of the the book that you talk about that. And one of the things you mentioned is how long it actually takes for for there to be, I guess, peace or, or a balance. Can you talk more about this? getting to that um, balance with blended families and how long that might actually take and the work that you have to put in. Yeah, I, my, my marketing coach actually wanted me to take this, and this is the only place where we disagree. She wanted me to take it, this part out of the book and make it a separate book. But what I found is that 60% of the women that come into my practice have some blend, a blended family in some form or another. And before mm-hmm. I talk even further, I find that their divorce rates are alarmingly high. So the general divorce rate is 45%, 50 in some states. And when one person has a child, it's 67%. And that's a child from another relationship. When both have a child, those divorce rates go up to 73%. So I find that, wow, having a blended family is something that really puts the family at risk, particularly if they don't get counseling. So what I did is kind of outline that, first of all, there's several variables that impact the relationship. First of all, what is the age of the kid? You know, if you get a kid younger than 10 years old, a lot more easy to blend the family with. 10 to 14, kids start to get into their own world and it gets a bit more difficult. As kids mm. get to be 15 years and older, they definitely have their own world. They don't really need you in that particular particular way. Like you talked about, your child may not need blending. I mean, she independent does her own thing, so it's a different world. But it's really kind of figuring out what stage of development they're at. But a lot of couples, what they do is they meet a person, and they definitely have been through a lot, uh, when a family ends, usually there's been some loss. So a kid is coming at this, either they've lost the breakup of their family or the dream of their parents reuniting, or there's been an actual death or something like that to a, a parent. So they're coming in it from a place of, I don't know that this is really going to work for me, and I really don't see how. Whereas the parents are coming in, or the couple, I'm totally in love. It's good to be back at that place again. I found somebody I think is going to be a real good role model for you. I think they're going to be Mm -hmm. a great parent. And we kind of expect them just to jump on board. And 
there's a process that you go through no matter what you think of your parent or your spouse or your spouse to be or your boyfriend that we have to really help bring them on board with because for them they may have been the only girl or the only boy and now they're in a family where they've lost that role and so we just really have to kind of say you know do I need help do I need a professional to get involved and help blend my family. And also I think for the parents, because some of the things that I've read, um, again, you know, being a single parent and and trying to work that route and and blending families, is there's a fantasy. You know, you have that fantasy that everything's going to be okay now. Some people have fantasies, and some people, you know, they don't understand. What do you mean conflict? When you try to explain to people, well, you know, this is going to be a little weird for people who've never had kids. That's another issue. Women who are dating men who have never had kids, not that they don't like kids or anything like that. They just never had them. So it's a little different to explain, you know, this is might be a little rough here um, and things that you might do. So um, I'm, I'm glad that you had that chapter in there. And we are running out of time. But I, real quickly, Feng Shui, um, this is another great point. Creating space for love to come into your life, literally. Talk to us very quickly about that, if you can. I, I always think it in terms of the statement, don't let your ex blow your neck. And I've just seen countless people kind of not give their new man or their new whatever the opportunity to really be successful because they're still going back and forth and so many distrust issues develop. And and, and I've just seen it really be a challenge for people. So if you meet somebody that you really like, ask yourself, am I giving them a fair chance? And also are you making space? Because one of the things you did walk through a woman with is her physical space in her house and the picture she has, the things she had in her bedroom, um, you know, and those things affected welcoming someone into her home. You know, literally, do you have space or do you have a lot of junk in your bedroom with a lot of shoes and clothes hanging out the closet? How do you expect to bring somebody in? Like if today God dropped the perfect man down on the, on the ground and said, here he is, where would he go? You know, yeah, so um, go ahead. Yeah, but the young lady that I talked about in the book, it was even, you know, having uh, one nightstand as opposed to two nightstands, uh, having mm. one table, on her, one chair on her patio as opposed to two, uh, having roses from her ex that were dried up that were still there. Just how do you really make a person feel welcome? And there's a subconscious part of that. Like this young lady had all these pictures of single women, and Fang Shui says, well, you you know, you get what you ask for. Have pictures of couples. Have colors that are warm and inviting and romantic. So there are different mm-hmm. ways to make space for people, and I definitely outlawed that, outlined that, and it really goes with the law of attraction. I know you need to wind up here. But, you know, you attract what you are. You don't attract necessarily what you ask for, and this was kind of making your living space consistent with what you're hoping to attract. Yes. Well, I think you did a great job. And like you said, we cannot get into everything today, but I I will be giving away copies of the book, The Black Manual by Dr. Shane Perot. So never fear, people can have the opportunity to get in uh, more detail about these things that we discussed, you know, good guy, bad guy, you know, you're okay, I'm okay, you know, what is this feng shui thing, you know, and also addition by subtraction. I think those are some really key points in the book. And the single parenting issue is, is again, very important. Just close to my heart because, again, I, I was or am or whatever, a single parent, you know. So um, thank you so much for writing the book. And I could see you writing another book, definitely, 
um, as a jump off from any of these topics in there. So don't just think about that. And I just need some residuals, 15% or something, maybe. We'll we'll do that, yeah. I'll let you be my next literary agent. Uh, but anyway, you have a website though. Talk to you have a website, theblackmanual.com, dot com, right? The, the com and Dr. Shane, if you type me, I'll definitely come up. And it kind of outlines the book and it tells you where to get it, and it helps you take that first step for realizing it's never too late to live happily ever after. Well, again, thank you so much for writing the book. Thank you for coming on the show, and um, I wish you much success with this book. Thanks a lot. I appreciate being on on your show once again, Joy. All right. I'll talk to you later. You have a good weekend, okay? Yep, you too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Dr. Shane Perot about his book, The Black Manual, and uh, he's trying to help women find Mr. Right. And you'd be surprised about some of the things he talks about, so, so give it a chance. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Joy Keys. Uh, you can become a fan on Facebook. Look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And also check me out on Instagram. Um, I'm going to be giving away some copies of the book. So, again, follow or become a fan, and you will find some hints about how you can win a copy of the book. You guys have a great weekend. Muscle aches, rashes. To find an answer. Hair loss. I'm so tired. You need to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.